0: This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Uh, you can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the fabulous Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. If you want to learn about the classes they offer, about their writers' conference, about their contests, you can check all that out at pnwa.org. So a little something different today. This uh, is not a live broadcast. This is recorded. Uh, I got to have a conversation with um, Ann Enright. Lovely Anne Enright, Ireland, and um, has published three volumes of stories, one book of nonfiction, and several novels. In 2015, she was named the inaugural laureate for Irish fiction. Her novel *The Gathering* won the Man Booker Prize, and *The Forgotten Waltz* won the Andrew Carnegie Medal for excellent in Fiction. Excellence in fiction. Her latest novel, which is fabulous, is actress can't recommend it enough and uh well here's our conversation enjoy all right and well i start all my conversations now with how are you doing <laughs> how's it going for you
1: it's going all right it was a bit sparky for a couple of weeks i had to pull out of an american tour which was you know quite a thing and then come back to sort out all the things that need to be sorted out and all the people who are vulnerable and all the rest of it, uh, so, like everyone else, we've just been taking it. Oh, God, I hate this phrase, but we have started to take it a day at a time.
2: You
0: know, the
1: teenagers are getting a bit of fresh air, and I think that's all that can be. Out, you know. Required. You
0: have some teenagers at home.
1: We have teen. We have teenagers. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they're living. And they're in, the school, house.
1: in our house, yeah. In a in our house.
0: Yeah.
2: They
1: live with us.
2: <laughs> and we so
1: are, we, we bore them. I, you know. <laughs> In both senses of the word, but um, yes, uh, and and they're actually, they're really bobbing along. They've got great bands, I'm delighted with them.
0: Well, you know, I, I have to say some of the, I was just thinking today, I was writing a piece about 1978, which in Providence, where I grew up, Rhode Island, there was this massive blizzard that struck and caught everyone by surprise and for a week the whole city was shut down no one could go to school no one could go to work i loved it i was
2: yeah, 12 yeah. going
0: on 13 and i loved that civilization came to a stop and everyone just had to be there and this is a more deadly time but it that the, the piece of it is to, uh, does remind yeah. you to get quiet asking you to yeah, not so hard on a writer, quite frankly. I, my wife well, is if you
2: manage your dread,
1: I mean, if you can manage your dread for mankind, I right. <laughs> if you can manage your personal dread as well. I mean, I, I was talking to someone who says, well, you know, it will be hard for some people to go back to work. And a very kind of freelance rage rose up in my heart. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, if you have a job to go back to, then it will. Really, right. you know, it'll be great to take this as a Zen piece of self-reflection. However, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to rebuild afterward through this, you know? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so let's go back and let us go back, back, back. Uh, you've been writing a while, but you know, I've always fascinated by the decision to, when you recognize that stories, I always think just stories are interesting to you as a, as a thing because not everybody's interested in stories but most writers i know it wakes up in them whether they were sitting on their mother's knee hearing their first picture book or sometimes in college when did it did stories become something that you were excited by
2: yeah i
1: i mean i i have a kind of um you know constantly conflicted relationship with how you put words together in a shape and how you bring it all to an end and and what the story is supposed to be. And, you know, that you ask a kind of journalistic question, well, what is the story? And you want the book to work on, you know, various levels. You want, it, yeah, anyway, not too serious, not too this or that. Um, But I suppose, I mean, I used to listen to a thing called uh, Listen with Mother when I came home from school. It was a BBC radio programme, and that would have been when I was four or five. But before that, again... Um, I remember poems, uh, look, A. A. Milne's When We Are Four,
0: for example. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then I hit Alice in Wonderland when I was maybe five or six, and I never looked back.
0: Really? You could, yeah. if five or six, it could, you could make sense of it.
1: No, st- I, doubt <laughs> I doubt I could now. I, I, but I was reaching for a phrase the other day about somebody I was saying no matter where she goes, she always ends up at her own front door. And that was straight from Alice. So that's a very ancient idea for me. And it, made, it still makes sense. It still makes no sense. And it still explains something that you need to have explained. I loved uh, Through the Looking Glass more than the Alice in Wonderland thing. The Caterpillar didn't do it for me. I had no interest in his hookah. Everyone found that very exciting. I yeah, think because there were drugs, but at six, who cares about drugs? It was, I, I, was, I was fascinated by the cards and the chess. I loved all that.
0: Um, you know, before he passed away, I became friendly with Frank Delaney, who is a wonderful writer and interviewer and raconteur. And yes. I felt that part of my writing history came from simply telling my Friends and family stories, like telling them, sitting down and telling a story, and he felt Absolutely. the same way that, and he likened it to a sort of an Irish tradition of the oral story. The yeah, oral, well, that I am
1: you? the youngest of five children, so my stories were never listened to, but I ah. do remember being in a friend's house and recounting the story of my uncle's wedding, and and the 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 children in that house laughing at my story, all like? the things that happened. That was, that was pretty cool, actually. I haven't really thought about that for a while or discussed it, actually. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Well, it's a thing to...
1: It was quite a very powerful moment. Yes. It, it, yeah, yeah. Wow. You're making something,
0: yeah. Well, it's so fascinating, too, because as a writer, I published a book about r- writing that was like, look, in order to do this, you cannot think about what the reader thinks of your stuff, what they uh, think yeah. of, right, while yeah. you're doing it. But we do have a relationship with the reader, although it's at a distance.
2: Yeah. Even when you're well, I, writing. I
1: have to tell you, there, there right? was a guy I liked who was laughing at all the bits of the wedding. That was a major triumph for me. It was just, it was, you know, but there's a lot of things that could be said about the readership. I've just been writing about the female readership, which is really interesting. There's like 80% of readers are women. Probably, yeah. So. and I've just been thinking about how they talk about whether characters are likable or not likable and how it feels like being back at school and how (laughs) do you make a character likable? What is this quality of bonding? You know, is it, you know, the way they look or their attitude or, you know, their nail polish? (laughs) What is the problem? I mean, I don't write likable or dislikable characters and I don't, I don't make an, I mean, apart from the very, very serious performative aspects that you'll find an actress, for example. I don't necessarily try to bond with the reader in that way. I'd be more interested in doing what Lewis Carroll did a bit to say, isn't this fun the way it fits together?
0: Right. Well, it, yeah? Well, you have to amuse yourself, right? I mean, you've, you've got to be your first audience on some yeah. level, right?
1: I think there might be some difference between bonding with the character and bonding with the book.
0: Yes, yeah. I oh, mean, as a reader, finding <laughs> so with the a book reader rather. who
1: wants to find something in a book in a character, of course, they all want to identify with characters. But I'm not bringing them on a psychological journey that is going to enlighten them about themselves necessarily so right. much as um, putting together something that they might find interesting and fun, and a little bit, you know, bring bring some bring other stuff a little bit further on for them as well. Somebody recently, a pal, said, I've never seen my 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 own experience that clearly in, in somebody else's book. And that was uh, lovely, that sense that you might, that people might find it enlarging. And that's close enough to anecdotal that you say, look at this, this is what happened at the wedding. And, you, you know, you, you get the recognition and the familiarity yeah. and you're putting it in a new setting.
0: I'm always, when I read, I'm, I'm, I, I have to go through the thing with the characters, even though I'm reading your book. I'm not a woman. I'm not, I don't act anymore, but I'm living it with them. I, I'm having to have that experience in some, when you're when when the girl was, stole that, the mom stole the cart. I was there on that oh, cart. Oh yeah, oh good. You yeah. know, that's just how I have to live it. And I don't think I'm okay. unusual in that way. Even though I understand it's not me, I I become of it, Become as much of that character as I can when I'm reading it. I try that's, to. And I just. Well, that's imagine amazing.
1: It. I think there is something very mysterious about both writing and reading. That are, and the mystery isn't unrelated. That no. something about boundaries that gets dissolved. Uh, how permeable they are when we believe something. So when we when when we start believing something, something about the limits of the self dissolves, and that's sort of amazing.
0: Isn't it, it is. And I was thinking about with your work so I I really enjoyed the actress this was the first book of yours I've read I do love I don't like to get on this because I think we make too much of it but I did like your voice very much which is helpful but it struck me that 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 presents its own challenge which is as a reader even though with someone like yourself who obviously cares about her sentences um cares about the structure of them
1: hugely musicality of them
0: right but you, I don't think you'd want your reader stopping every sentence and going "Wow!" and coming out of the book, right? No. So it's that exactly. fine balance, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you want the sweetness of real of realization or recognition as you're moving through the prose. Right. So it's not going to stop you. It's going to it's going to keep you Propel moving. Tell you, along. right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And so it's kind a a
1: of. It is a fine line. It is a fine line. I wouldn't know though because I'm so in it, you know?
0: Yeah, well, that's good.
1: And so, because when I'm writing the sentence, I can see something and I want to get something very exactly. And somehow that that sense of precision comes out of the thing that I'm writing already. And I say, yeah, no, I just have to get that. Just get that. Quality. And once I get it, that feeling of acquisition almost of, not acquisition, but of getting it. It's like a bit like understanding. And I hope that the reader has that similar sort of
0: positive it, yeah. it is. And yeah. I, I was just talking with a client about this today, which is when I teach or write, it's the thing, me understanding something that I didn't know I understood until I write it, Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't even value the thing I had understood until I wrote it down. And in writing it, you see it in a way, you kind of have to know it before you say it, but then when you write it, you know it yes. differently, yeah?
1: Yeah, and when, and when Catherine, young Catherine, goes on stage when she's a teenager and she, she has to say the words, She says it's like there's a gap in the world that the words will fill and they will fill it exactly and they'll be exactly right. Right. And it's that feeling of rightness and and of, yeah, I mean, it's very, very mysterious. It goes back to maybe, I don't know, Chomsky and ideas about grammar or how we structure language or how we how, how we think words into existence. But it's very pleasurable. And it's very communicable. So yeah. I, I can't see any downside.
0: <laughs> <to my laughs> oh, good. Yeah. It's so nice to hear. I <laughs> talked to too many writers probably. And we all love it. But writers can complain. They are very capable of that. Even yeah, full of anxiety them,
1: and fretfulness, Yeah. You
0: know. Um, all right. So at some point you said, I don't just love stories. I want to write them down myself. I want to be like those people who are writing those books. Do you remember when that, like you said, no, I'm not just going to. Try to do this. I'm gonna do this. This is what I want to do.
1: Can I say something about writers complaining all the time? I would the love you <laughs>
0: to, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is you only have one problem, and that is the problem on the page. Okay. That's your problem.
0: And you made it up. You invited. it. yeah, that yeah. Problem.
1: And it is, yeah, it is exactly <laughs> that. It is the problem that you 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 yeah. wanted to have. You invited it in. Yeah, you uh, did. Oh dear! Yes, I can see how valuable it might all get. very paradoxical and full of knots. And <laughs> um, I, I, I was writing in my early twenties. I suppose I wrote some kind of bad poetry when I was sixteen, or fifteen, sixteen, and I started writing stories at school. Irish schools, you write stories.
2: Yeah.
1: All the time you come home tired, but happy at the end of a long day. But uh, you know, I, I, I put a bit of oomph into them, I suppose, and. You'd read them out for the class now and then. You're lucky.
0: Right. And I'm sure yours stood out. It's usually the case that people who want to be writers, they just bring a certain attention to it that everyone else who has to write doesn't bring the same attention to it.
1: I have met people who can write who don't have to write, and that's really strange to me. Yeah. That people who have the articulacy and the talent and even the imagination, and they say, well, why am I going to do that? It's a head wreck. I mean, it's like... Because, in my personal culture, and maybe in the wider Irish culture, if you can do it, what else would you do? Right. What else would you do? You're going to go into finance? I mean, you know, what else? But I have met people who can do it. I've also met writers who can't write um, and who get there with considerable effort and deliberateness, right. you know. So, you know, I mean, if I'm looking at a class of students and I say, well, who's going to be there in 20 years time? It's not always the one you expect. It's the really tenacious one. And yeah. it's the one who has a big want in them to to, to, to write the thing. The want so
0: will take you needs far. Needs to do it, hmm? it will take you very far. You can learn a lot. Yeah. You can get better quickly if you, you are can. really are determined about it.
1: Yeah, if you have the fire in your belly, I think, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if my work stood out. I don't know. I don't know. I oh, I, I, I,
0: did. I don't well I don't who know. Knows? Who knows? Maybe not, right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean I did I did a writing MA in my mid twenties. Um, and I think my work was distinctive enough by then, but I I don't know at the early stuff.
0: Um, Andre de the American novelists. I, I talked to Andre a lot like him, and he said something interesting about voice, which I thought was pretty spot on, because, yes. you know, voice is a big thing, especially in literary fiction. It's a, you know, what's your voice? And he identified voice as really a product of subject matter, not just meaning I write about families or I write about ships, but how you write about families, how you think about ships, how you think about the war, how you think about violence, whatever it is. The su- It's not just the thing, but how you look at it. And I thought he was Pretty spot on about that. What do? You, no, it's you always a point, point of view.
1: Up, yeah. It's always a point of view. So yeah. it's almost always an opinion about the world.
2: Yeah. It and,
1: comes and through. Some good writers, words. Yeah. Some writers try to drain their prose of this sense of opinion. Right. Um. And become you know more and more literal. They become sort of anti metaphorical and all the rest of it. But I like the kind of energy that that sense of individual gaze brings yeah. to the brings to the prose. Um. I don't, be, I don't believe. I don't believe very plain writers.
2: I read something once that
1: when, so when, when people are lying, they speak very very simply.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: <laughs> and when people are not lying, they get you know they, they have imagery. They let themselves go a bit. They use metaphors. They use all those bad, non puritan things. <laughs> and um, and that made that made a spooky sort of sense to me actually.
0: Interesting. Interesting. All right. I'm so I'm
1: against plain dealing all the time, you know, but I think I'm not against it completely.
0: So you won the Man Booker Prize in two thousand seven, two thousand six. Seven. Seven. Okay. So that is for my American listeners who don't know. It is the uh, British. It's all of. It's it could be Canada, Ireland. Yeah, it's they're, what they're, used
1: to be called the Commonwealth. I think wow. it probably still is called the Commonwealth and Ireland. And so, and, so, and <laughs> Ireland, right? And Ireland. Who left the Commonwealth and in a date that I will be, you know, killed if I can't remember it. But that's what I'm going to say <laughs> some, so, time ago. Uh, some, right. time, some time, ago. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: But that's your um, Pulitzer Prize. So you won that in that your version of what we call the. Yeah, World, I suppose it, World,
1: it was, World, was at the National time. World. Yeah, yeah, and it still is to an extent. Now there are Americans in it as well. It's quite oh. an interesting. It's an, an interesting culture to the prize,
0: but So, yeah. wait, so. What did that mean? Did it mean anything to you? Did it, did it shake your world up a little bit? What was, was that like?
1: I mean, I grew up. Um, I grew up. You'd see it on the BBC News. Wow. Was, and and the, and the speech would be on the BBC News. Really? I remember, yeah, I remember. I can't it in, even
0: like, imagine that in America. It's
1: well, yeah, no, Canada perhaps.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
1: maybe but uh uh sorry that don't want me to be joking but uh i remember when kingsley amos got it in 1973 now kingsley amos was martin Amos' father yep. and i was 11 and we sat around watching who was going to win wow. the booker and he opened the envelope in a very old clubbable sort of way I said is this tax free He <laughs> said, oh god <laughs> But it, you know, and I mean, that was in the early days of the prize, it sort of grew and grew and it became quite a major cultural moment then. Uh, um, So it was like a fantasy, I suppose. It was was that fantasy, yeah.
0: But then fantasy becomes reality. And don't you kind of have to take that prize off its pedestal a little bit in order to make sense of your own life?
1: I think about maybe a decade later, I can take comfort when I have a setback. I said, well, at least I have... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> I got that one so I don't have to worry. It's fine. Right. Um, but that took at least 10 years. It was all it was it all seemed to happen in other people's heads.
0: Right. So uh, you write about an actress in the actress. Um I always find the overlap of the arts interesting. You've got a novelist in this and she's mother's an actress and Yeah, yeah. Do you, Talk to me about the decision to have an actress in the in the in the book uh, as yes. a mother, but still her life. What was what drew you to that?
1: Uh, well, I had been working in and around the theater, and my my uh, husband works in and around the theater. And Dublin is quite a small world. Right. I know a lot about, uh, not a lot about. I know how how tough it is. Right. Uh, I wanted to put that in, and I wanted to show the. The difference between the glamour of the performance and the very uh, rickety nature of the backstage and of the life uh, entire Um, so um, but so I'd always wanted to to do something about that I mean the other thing that I realized almost after the fact is that actresses full of other people's fictions because that's what she does she goes from Ireland in the, in the 40s and 50s. She's briefly in London, then on Broadway, and then Hollywood. And all the things, she, she all the films and plays she does are kind of half crap, you know? Because that's pretty much what actors do. They're doing second-rate fictions written by people who aren't them. So right. she kind of tries to, she tries to write herself actually at one stage. She thinks if she can just get a monologue going, then she'd be, you know, the way performers do, and they they try to find the right role for themselves. They try to hustle in the movie industry to get the right right part. But there's no such thing, really, as the right part for Catherine O'Dell, who's the the actress. Uh, Anyway, her daughter does write and is very steady in all of that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: In part because she's in, in charge, I suppose yeah I didn't really say that but she has the wherewithal and also she's not out in the world the performance is quieter and more unassuming than her mother's the drama is sort of leached out of her books whereas her mother had this big melodramatic existence and i think those two aspects of story that i i like that i like a bit of you know, we live by plots. We go through them night after night after night on the on the streaming services or on the TV. It's plot, 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 right. plot, and then we get to kind of a quiet book and say, "Well, there's no plot, but it's beautiful." And so those 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 are the two ends of the spectrum of plottedness. There.
0: Yeah, and when uh, the you were talking about likable characters at the beginning of the conversation, I, I, I've never been interested in that. Yeah. Concept a little I, bit I know, wonder is
1: it the girl thing? I really actually wonder is it a girl thing? Because we talk about it as if it's about the sexism in you know, about female characters, but it may be something about what the readership is looking for.
0: Maybe there's a whole well, I don't see you're writing adult fiction in the world of young adult fiction, there's a lot going on right now which is yeah a little nutty around the way the readership is influencing the writers in a way, or and I think it's a little Unhealthy, I'm going to be curious as how it works itself out.
1: Just Do you mean that their morality is limiting?
0: Their concept of morality, which yeah. I think is a little immature at this point, because a lot of people doing it are not coming, they're, they're wanting something, but they lack sometimes the life experience to... I
1: couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly say. When I was 16, I gave out yards to a teacher for introducing the subject of sex to a John Keats poem. I mean, I really was really cross. But I'm sure that's not what's going on. But I, I love. I mean, I do actually celebrate living with young people. Their, their kind of ardent morality is kind of interesting to.
0: They're, they, learn. they want more than what they've got, and I, and yeah. I see it in my son's world, and it's just odd expressed. But I was going to say is that, that 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 your characters are full people, and it seems anybody full is going to have the things that are so good and not so good. And that's just. I mean, if you're going to create a full character, they're not going to be saints nobody your protagonist nobody
1: yeah well, that's a very religious word <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it just came out
1: <laughs> well you know somebody asked me quite recently why i don't forgive my characters i didn't think that was my job i don't <laughs> i don't either forgive them or condemn them right and it's it's weird because that implies that i made something that i would then have to for, i made, you know that that's a that gets very snarled and nutty, to use your word, very, very uh, quickly. Yeah. Why would I do that? Why would I uh, depict a saint? I have in The Green Road, which is the book of four actors, a very conscientious, very maternal type. But I, I think she puts a lot of her unhappiness into, into looking after people. She's quite, quite cranky with it. Yeah. yeah. It makes her quite irritated and irritable, quite rightly. But you yeah. say, well, why is she so good? I mean, I would ask, why is she so good? I don't, I don't have a character, and and the and the need to be good may come from, uh, some some gap or problem or difficulty, as much actually. As I
0: but cat, but the your the, the mother, the actress. One of her descriptions of herself is that she was good. As a girl.
1: She was good and she says it in a kind of vaguely that. disappointed way. Like yeah. like cheated her then. <laughs> right. I was such a good
0: child. Right.
1: <laughs> we were all good children, weren't we?
0: Oh of course. I think I would describe myself that way.
1: <laughs> Isn't that kind of a part of the piety of childhood as well, that we love to be good? I, I was a marvelously good child. Nobody ever describes me as good. I do no harm, but nobody I do very little harm. So I do as little harm as I can manage, but nobody ever says, Oh, she's so I don't know, maybe they do. I don't know.
0: I don't know. You're a kid. My my son, my oldest son is certain he was rotten and he he could be, <laughs> but he was also incredibly precocious. So he was he was like living we we always said he was like living with a CEO who had no company to run. And so yeah, a... and
1: and he he decided he was he was a, a he was rotten, did he?
0: He's decided that himself in looking back, but he I he says I can't wait for you to write essays about how rotten I was, and I was like, it's not going to happen.
1: Oh, <laughs> that, is, that is not
0: coming. That is not how coming. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. How do we form? I was just thinking recently about when I was in Catholic school growing up in Ireland. And, and all schools were Catholic, and of course, it was run by nuns who were more or less themselves and not particularly any very difficult people. But one of them, but but later on, they didn't do a lot of sin with us. But later, they decided that teachers decided that they would stop talking about sin. And in the new open uh, uh, post Vatican II Catholicism, they would call it a failure to love. So there were these children going for their That's first confession. And they had to confess a failure to love. I thought, oh my God, that's genius. <laughs> How to get in with Kyle's sense of morality and to talk about a failure to love. It's very, very young, five, six, seven, to start talking about these kind of things. It
0: is. Yeah. I actually don't think, I personally don't think, I didn't go to church as a kid. I was raised really agnostic, like truly agnostic, because my parents came from kind of religious background, but were done with it by the time I came along, so they wouldn't speak good Mm -hmm. or bad of it. And so I was sort of left to just make up my own mind, and I never did join it. But I've always felt about religion that it really is not, that kids should kind of be left out of it. That's my personal Believe that it's it's really because for a, adults more than say
1: a low tactic to bring them in too early. <laughs>
0: it, I think it kind. Of, I think mean, just let leave them alone. They'll figure it out. Anyway.
1: They'll figure it out. Well, oh, but there are. I mean, there are great pleasures in being religious at any age that you wouldn't yeah. deny people either. I did no, love with you, my holy communion.
0: Um, all right. Well, listen, I could talk to you for a long time, and uh, but I have only so much. So I have one more question for you. Yes. Um, before I let you go, and what I'd like you to do is finish the sentence. If writing, all the writing you've ever done has taught you anything, it's taught you what?
2: Um, that,
1: yeah, all the writing you've ever done, it means that if you sit at the desk for 30 years, it changes you. Um,
0: how did, how, what, what is the most significant way you think it's changed you?
1: Uh, i i think it makes you more free
0: so there you go makes you free i agree i agree with Anne. i do uh well this has been a lot of fun and uh but i'll be back again live next week with uh, a writer i quite enjoy look forward to that until then uh, i want to thank my producer rj jeffries and thank all of you go out there find something you love to do and do it